0: Ephesians chapter 4, verse, uh, let's let's begin with verse, let's just read verse 32. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, And be kind, Paul's talking to Christians at Ephesus. We would say he's talking to Christians at Murfreesboro. They happen to be at Ephesus, and he's writing a letter to them, and they're Christians just like us, members of the body of Christ. And notice what he says to them. Be kind to one another. Isn't that amazing that you have to remind Christians to be kind to one another? Um, But he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted. And notice this next phrase, forgiving one another. How? Even as God in Christ has forgiven you. Last week, I shared with you, let me just review it for a second. Last week, I shared with you that there's two themes that run through the scriptures. Two themes that run from Genesis to Revelation. That's our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow man. Two themes, our relationship with God. The Bible is written about these two themes. This is what it's all about. These two themes, our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow man. Everything in the Bible has to do with those two themes. Our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow man. And in fact, let me give you a couple of scriptures that to, to point that out. Look with me at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, verse number 37. Notice what it says. Jesus said, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. That's our relationship with God. Remember the two themes, our relationship with God. And then notice, Jesus said, and a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are are based on these two commandments. So Jesus himself said, said there's two themes that run. Our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow man. And the Bible says here that we are to love God with all of our strength, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. And then the and then Jesus said, and equally as important, equally as important is love your neighbor as yourself. So that's the two themes. Relationship with God, relationship with our fellow man. Now our challenge is is any time you have a long-standing relationship with your fellow man, eventually, sooner or later, you're going to have conflict. Any time we have relationship with others, we're going to have conflict. I don't care how wonderful you are. I don't care how wonderful they are. You're going to have conflict. Being married. If you're married in this room tonight, you understand you... You would give your life for your spouse, or you should be willing to give your life for your spouse. depends on what day it is. But you should be willing to give. But even though you love them with all your heart, and you might have been, Amanda and I, this year, this June, we'll celebrate 40 years of being married. I know that's hard, you know. I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine that we've been married 40 years. Most people don't see you as 40 years old. Uh, but in Tennessee, we marry them young. and that right, Pastor Wayne? Right. Of course, yours is for, your girl is from Alabama, isn't she? Are you from Alabama? Yeah. No. Are you from Texas? Her parents no. are from Alabama. Parents are your parents, where are you from? from Northwest Indiana. Northwest Indiana. Hammond, Indiana. Huh. <laughs> so that's your excuse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you're from Texas. No. Where are you from? You're from Northwest India. You are from Northwest India. Well, I thought you were in Houston. We lived there for a while. You see, it doesn't make any difference how long you work together. You will have conflict. In conflict, relational conflict, and we have to learn to deal with relational conflict. We'll always have it. And one of the challenges we have in life is learning to forgive. Learning to forgive. Because eventually, whoever you're in relationship with, you're going to have some difficulties. That's just part of life. We are human beings. I want you to uh, uh, turn with me. Let's look again at Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ has forgave you. The Bible tells us here that God has forgiven us. Notice what it says, forgive one another even as God in Christ forgave you. God has forgiven us of our sin, personal sin, Because the price was paid by Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ became my substitute and your substitute for sin. That's the good news. God was in Christ. God, the Bible tells us in the book of Corinthians, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Reconciling the Word to Himself. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that God is not holding anybody's sin against them. He is not accounting anybody's sin toward them. The Bible tells us there is therefore now no condemnation, and that Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That's the good news. We like to say it in our vernacular, God's not mad at us. God's not mad at us. God forgave us. God has forgiven us. God forgives us, and God will forgive us, past, present, and future, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Now, likewise, we are required, as Christians, as children of God, as his hand extended to the earth, we are required to forgive others as, go back to Ephesians four thirty two, notice what it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. How, how do we forgive one another? Even as God in Christ has forgave you. In other words, in our relational conflict where there has been injury, and no repentance or no hope of repentance we can only forgive by regarding Jesus as paying the price for the sin against us okay it's on past jamie way far past we're I'm way into the middle of it okay in our let me repeat that in our relational conflicts there you go where there has been injury and no repentance you say what do you mean Well, when somebody does you wrong or hurts you or injures you or uh, is unjust towards you, and they don't ever tell you they're sorry. Anybody ever had those situations where you never really get closure? I've had some of them. I have some of them in my life now uh, over the years that just never got fixed. The situation never got finished and they see it one way, and I see it one way, or they did something, and they died, or they left, and they don't care. They don't care. They didn't see it as a problem. I saw it as a problem. We all have those situations in our relational conflicts where there has been injury and no repentance or no closure. Nobody's saying, I'm sorry. It, it, it never was agreed upon. We might see it different, but let's just go on and be friends. None of that took place. Or no hope for repentance. We can only forgive then by regarding Jesus as paying the price for the sin against us. Okay? If a lot of people, I hear this quite often in working with. With uh, people, they'll say, "Well, if they just say they're sorry, I can get over it." Listen, they might not ever say they're sorry, but you got to be able to get over it. And how if if you been if you and me getting over it is totally dependent upon their repentant attitude? Well, if they'd just acted, if they'd just acted like they was sorry, if they'd just acted with a little remorse then I could have gotten over it. Well, some people just aren't going to do that. But you've got to be able to get over it. You've got to be able to move on. Or you can't live with peace and joy in your life. Okay? And the only way for us to be able to walk in forgiveness when repentance has not come toward us, or when somebody has not said they're sorry, or they've apologized, or they've tried to make it right, when none of that has happened, the only way you and I can really walk in the peace and the joy of the Lord is by forgiving them, and the only way we can forgive them is by by regarding Jesus as paying the price for the sin against us. All right? That's what the Bible says when He says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. We must allow, we must allow what Jesus did on the cross to satisfy our sense of justice. We've got to allow it. Then we must turn and release our offenders. You might not say you're sorry. You might not think you did me wrong, but I'm injured over this, so I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to forgive you. Have you ever had those people come up to you and say something like this? Uh, I just want you to know I forgive you. Have you ever had those people? I just want you to know. I've And, and I've sat there and said, well, I didn't know what I did. I didn't do that. I didn't know how I did. Well, I just want you to know I forgive you. And I'll say, what for? And they'll say something that I said from a, in a sermon, and they took it as a personal offense. I want to say to them, you idiot. Grow up, grow up, I don't have the problem, you got the problem, you know, but I can't say that and get paid next week so uh so I'll always say i'm sorry i I, I didn't mean it that way, please forgive me, but it's it's like when when people don't do us wrong and they don't repent, we must allow what Jesus did on the cross to satisfy our sense of justice. And then we, in turn, release them for what they've done. We don't hold it against them. Just as forgiveness is offered to us based on what Jesus did on the cross, we must offer forgiveness to others on the same basis. Did you know a lot, many times we sin and we fail, we miss the mark. Sin is missing the mark. We sin, we fail, and many times we don't even know it. We're so dull, we don't even know it. Many times uh, we have displeased the Lord and we don't know it because we're fleshly, we're carnal. Uh, how many times have we should have done things and didn't do them? And yet God never holds that against us. He never judges us for it and He never withholds good things from us because of it. Why? Because he forgives us according to what Jesus did on the cross. Do you realize our forgiveness is offered to us based on what Jesus did on the cross, not because we change, but because of what Jesus did. Likewise, we must offer forgiveness to others on the same basis. On the same basis. We cannot base our willingness to forgive on what our offenders do. Well, I'll forgive them if they repent. I will forgive them if they act like they're sorry. I'll forgive them if they'll come and talk to me. I'll forgive them if they pay me back. I'll forgive them if they'll make it right. Listen, we cannot base our forgiveness on what our offenders do. We must learn to base our forgiveness on what Jesus did for us and what Jesus did for them. Now, I know that's hard, and I know that's not what we're usually taught, but the truth is this, if Jesus' sacrifice was enough to satisfy the demands of, for justice within God, why wouldn't it be enough to satisfy the demands of justice within us for the offenses of others toward us? In fact, it's a slap in the face of God for God's justice to be satisfied toward them and ours not be. It's a slap in the face of God. Let me prove it to you from Scripture. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. We read this last week, and then we'll break new ground. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That's 490 times. Now, literally... If you read it in the Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 17, um, it's in the continuous tense. In the uh, Koine, the original language, it's in the continuous tense. So literally, he's talking about, he's not saying that we count it up and give them 490 times. That's not what he's saying. And on the 491 first time, we ain't forgiving them no more. That's not what he's saying. He's, he's just using this terminology, he's using this to say forgiveness never runs out. Forgiveness never runs out. Now, that's hard. You better have the grace of God on your life to continue to forgive. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was able to, he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be so with his wife and children and all that he had, and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, we have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Forgave him the debt. Verse 28, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denara which was a fraction of what he owed. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant, remember this scenario now? It just happened. His fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Verse 30, and he would not but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Okay. So he says here, and and the story Jesus is trying to relate to us is God has forgiven us. Likewise, we should forgive others. God has forgiven us, we should forgive others. Now, stop right here, and if you can see this little card, uh, I want you to look at it, because when we talk about continual forgiving, or forgiveness never runs out, or forgiveness should go on forever and ever and ever, people get really confused, because they get forgiveness... Mixed up with trust. Forgiveness never runs out. You and I should forgive everybody, everything, whatever they've done. That doesn't make it easy, but we should forgive them. But that doesn't mean we trust them. There's a big difference. And I've put this together of what forgiveness is not and what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is, is not approval. Forgiveness is not approval, you know. Um, forgiveness is not forgetting. I hear, how many times have you heard it? Well, if you really forgive them, you'll forget it. Yeah. Pff, forget that. <laughs> There's things that people have done to me 35, 40 years ago that I forgive them But if I see them or if the circumstances, something joggles my memory, I think about it. It pops back in my mind. But just because it pops back in my mind doesn't mean I hadn't forgiven them. See, here's here's a side truth to that. You don't have to take ownership of every thought that pops in your mind. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Have you ever noticed how he will throw things in your mind about people constantly? You don't have to take ownership of that thought. Just because it comes doesn't mean you have to take ownership for that thought. I've seen people that 25 years ago, 30 years ago did things to me, said things about my family. And I'll see them, and boy, that thought will will pop in my mind. I forgave them 25, 30 years ago. But that thought will still pop in my mind, but I don't have to take ownership of it. Okay? How many of you have heard you don't forgive unless you can forget it? And every time you'd think about it, you'd start, oh God, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me. Oh God, forgive me. I want you to know forgiving is not forgetting, it's a real injury, it's a real life trauma. It's a real-life moment of brokenness. And just because you don't forget it doesn't mean you haven't forgave them. And you need to understand that. Number three, forgiveness is not justifying. Number four, forgiveness is not an obligation. You don't have to. You'd be a lot better if you would. It blesses you, if you will, but it's not an obligation. Forgiveness is not giving in. Forgiveness is not reconciliation or restoration. Listen, listen. Well, if you forgive me, you'll let me back in the house. Some people, you're not going The relationship will never be restored. But that doesn't mean you don't forgive them. Doesn't mean the relationship... Some things... Some things happen that are so injurious and so painful that the relationship has been so damaged and severed because of actions, it can never be back to what it was before it happened. That's reality. But that doesn't mean you don't forgive them. Okay? We need to get free in some of these areas. Forgiveness is not rehiring. Oh boy, have I had to deal with that one. I've had to let ministers go before who did things that were really wrong took money, stole or had inappropriate relationships with someone other than their spouse and I've had to let them go and uh, we would talk and i say and, and they would ask for forgiveness and i said, well I forgive you, I forgive you bless you, I forgive you, I'm sorry it happened I forgive you, well can I have my job back, no no, you can't. You violated a standard and you just can't have your job back. I love you and I forgive you, but forgiveness is not rehiring. Pastor, you're being hard. No, I'm being biblical. Because there's a difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness is a gift, I can give that to you anytime. Trust is something that's earned. I can't give you trust. You have to give that to me. I give forgiveness to you. Trust is what you earn from me. Everybody with me? Okay. Forgiveness is not rehiring. Forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness is what I give to Wayne freely. I forgive you. I mean, whether he says he's sorry or whether he doesn't say he's sorry, whether he pays back or whether he doesn't pay back, whether he makes amends or whether he doesn't make amends, I forgive him. Why? Because I forgive him even as Christ forgave me. I couldn't make amends to Jesus. I couldn't make amends to God. I couldn't pay God what I owed. I couldn't make it right. There's no way I could make it right to God. But God forgave me because of what Jesus did for me. Likewise, regardless of what Wayne does, I can offer him forgiveness. But Wayne has to earn my trust. I give forgiveness. Wayne earns trust. Okay. Everybody understand that? I give forgiveness freely. Trust is earned. I give one thing, they have to earn something else. Okay? So forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness is not getting even. Forgiveness, now Jesus throws a real kink in the Old Testament. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Eye for an eye, tooth. Remember? Cut off your hand. If you cut my hand off, I'm cutting your hand off too. That's the Old Testament. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's not forgiveness. What is that? That's getting even. But that's not forgiveness. Jesus said, I got something better than you. You just forgive them. Okay? What forgiveness is, what is it? Forgiveness is acknowledging the hurt. Acknowledging the hurt. Forgiveness is keeping your eyes open. Forgiveness Say you hurt me. I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to put myself in that position again. Forgiveness is showing mercy. You can't fix it. You can't make it right. You can't go back and redo it. You can't heal it completely. But I'm I'm, I'm going to show you mercy. Forgiveness is keeping no record of wrongs. Now that's totally different than remembering it than keeping record of wrongs. Okay. Here's one thing. Um, if you can, here's how you can tell if you've really forgiven your spouse or somebody that's in the family. The next time a heated argument comes up, if you throw it back up to them, you've kept a record of the wrong. I might remember it, but I'm not keeping a record of it, and I'm not going to bring it up again. Okay? Forgiveness is keeping no record of wrongs. Forgiveness is living free from bitterness. Living free from bitterness. Unfortunately, I've talked to people in this church who, 20 years ago, they'll, they'll rehearse it. If I get to talk to them very long, they'll rehearse some pain or something that somebody did to them 20 years ago. They're still bitter over it. Still bitter. Forgiveness is taking responsibility. Forgiveness is being honest about reality. This is what they did. I'm not denying it, but it's true. But I forgive them. Forgiveness is an attitude and forgiveness is a lifestyle. It's not something you do when you're hurt. It's something you live in every single day of your life. All right. I've got, uh, what time is it? I've got just about 10 minutes. So turn with me to Philemon's chapter, Philemon verse 10. Here's a little book in the New Testament. It's the book of Philemon. It's in the... It's probably not where most of you, most of us, have done our Bible study today, but it's an amazing little book. It's the Book of Philemon, and this is what it says: Paul is writing, uh, and uh, uh, to a Tim, uh, who's he writing to? Timothy, who's he writing to? I can't remember off the He says this: I appeal to you to show kindness to my child. Oh, he's writing to Philemon. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. So Paul says, Philemon, I'm, I, I need you to show kindness to Onesimus. He says, I became his father in the faith while here in prison. So Paul's in prison, and uh, Onesimus is in prison too. And Paul is writing to Philemon about his fellow prisoner, Onesimus. He says, I became his father in the faith while here in prison. In other words, Paul led Onesimus to Christ while he was a prisoner. And he says, Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past. Apparently, Philemon and Onesimus had some type of arrangement a relationship of business or employee, employer, or friend, or something. Onesimus hasn't been much... "...of use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. I am sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news." So Paul's in prison for preaching. "...and he would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent." I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave. He is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now, he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. Verse 17. So if you consider me your partner... Paul says to Philemon, If you consider me your partner or your friend, welcome him as you would welcome me. Verse 18. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. Apparently, Onesimus had stolen something. Most historians believe Onesimus had stolen something from Philemon. And Paul says, "If he owes you anything, charge it to me I Paul write this with my own hands, I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul, yeah, although he just mentioned it, in other words, in other words, Paul is calling in the chips. Paul is calling the chips in, okay Paul says." This guy that I met in prison, uh, I heard he stole something from you. I've led him to the Lord. And I'm sending him back to you. If he owes you anything, charge it to me. And he says, and by the way, I I won't remind you, I won't mention to you, that you wouldn't have what you had if it hadn't been for me. Okay? Let me ask you, do you have a, Onesimus in your life. The apostle Paul writes Philemon and in the letter he refers to a slave of Philemon by the name of Onesimus. Evidently the slave had run away from Philemon and stolen things from Philemon. Paul had met Onesimus while he was in prison and won him to Christ. Onesimus wanted to make things right with Philemon so Paul writes Philemon asking him to forgive Onesimus. Onesimus. Listen, I'll close with this. Onesimus was an unclosed chapter in Philemon's life. Onesimus ran off, stole things, never said he was sorry, never paid him back, never made it right. Onesimus was an unclosed chapter in Philemon's life. And Paul comes in like God and says, you forgive him. I'll make it right. He can't make it right. I'll make it right. And just remember, you owe me your life. Isn't that the way it is with us and God? There are some people in our life that can't make it right. They've injured us. They've hurt us. They've done damage to us or to our family. They've taken something from us. They've they've done us wrong. And to be honest with you, they can't make it right. They might not want to make it right, or they might not have the ability to make it right. And God says, you forgive them anyway. Because remember, I forgave you, and you can't make it right with me. Everybody with me? Stand with me, would you?